Welcome to the Prophecy Club. Our topic today is, where do people go when they die? Where do people go when they die? Where do they go? And it's a very interesting topic today, and you may be saying, wow, that's kind of an unusual topic, and it sort of is, but there's a reason for it. First of all, let me just say that I've got a free gift for those that stay all the way to the end of the program. A free gift, and I mean free, it doesn't cost you anything, okay? First of all, yes, I know you're probably saying, well, I'd like for you to really talk on what's going on with Mar-a-Lago. Also, can you comment on the 87,000 new IRS agents? And also, what about the uh, rumor that they're actually arming these IRS agents? Well, if I talk about that, they'll probably take me off. Because the closer we get to the election, the more closely they are monitoring. I got another good friend of mine last night to email me, and he said he got a second strike. And uh, he he didn't have strikes. So, I mean, they are really, really watching carefully. So, no, I, I, I can't talk on that, at least probably not until after the election. So what I really think is going on is I think that we're really getting very close to the fifth seal. Now, you remember the fifth seal. I saw to the altar the souls of those who were slain for the word of God and the, for the testimony which they held. And they cried with a loud voice, saying, how long, O Lord, holy and true, dost thou not judge and avenge our blood on them that dwell upon the earth? And white robes were given to every one of them. It was told to them that they should rest yet for a little season, till their fellow servants and their brethren that should be killed as they were should be fulfilled. Meaning, where all of this is heading is to a time where everybody got to bend the knee, take the mark of the beast. If you don't take the mark of the beast, you lose your life. We don't like to say that word beheading, but... That's where it's really going. So in light of all the election coming, I really can't talk about those kind of things and probably can't for the next several months. I've got to be really careful. Because the other side is shutting down dissenting voices. Okay, so let's get into what we are going to talk about today. First of all, I encourage you to send me a research because, yes, ever since we got off of YT, I dare not say the name, uh, our response has fallen surprisingly, dramatically, a lot. And so if you have research, please send it to me. Ask, Stan. I won't say the rest of it because then the bots pick it up and I get all sorts of garbage email from around the globe. But if you do have research, please send it to me. Also, since we've been taking off YT, our financial gifts have also fallen, fallen through the floor. So... God has blessed you. You can help. Now would be a really good time to help. Okay, so before I get into this about what happens when we die, very controversial topic. So, and I know we have a lot of new listeners, so I need to take just a minute and kind of tell why you want to listen to me talk about that topic. And I know it'll kind of sound a little arrogant, and I'm sorry about that. I'm not trying to call attention to myself here. I'm just trying to qualify myself, you know. Dale Carnegie said that you should have earned the right to talk on your topic. He said you should know 40 times more than you could possibly spit out in the time allotted for you to speak. So what I'm trying to say here is I've earned the right to talk about this. As you know, I spent some serious time with Dimitri Dudeman, had him in a home several times. I went to his home. I also have heard the testimony, and this is really what qualifies me to talk about the topic today. I've heard the testimony of 28 people that have died and came back to life. 
most to heaven, but a few of them to hell. And I'm going to kind of share a few of those, kind of as the Lord leads. I've also worked with 160 guest speakers over 25 years, making about 330 DVDs. Been the host of Prophecy Club now for almost 30 years. Memorized the book of Revelation, written four books on Bible prophecy, which do sell well. And so far, zero complaints. My primary call is to know the scriptures, recognize God speaking through his modern prophets, and give the warning. Part of my daily prayer is, Lord, give me the knowledge and skill and all learning and wisdom, understanding all visions and dreams. So now with that as the introduction, let's talk about it. So this was the email that you can see that I got August 10th at 1.30 p.m. Subject, those who die. Now he's asking three questions, which I'm going to briefly explain just off the top of my head, but then we're going to dive into them a little bit more deeply. Where are those who die in Christ or those who are not saved? Where are those who die in Christ or those who are not saved? First question. Well, I'd like to be able to say that there's only two boxes, <laughs> and you go in one of two boxes. But based upon the 28 different testimonies I've heard of people, I mean, talking about I actually was in the room, I heard them talk. Now, that's not including all of the different links people have sent me to other people on the Internet that give testimonies. And of the ones I've actually heard, none of them talk about, let me say this right, I think I'm not going to say that. I, I, let me give you some examples. So a fellow that I used to be an instructor with back in that other thing I used to do where I sold and taught classes in public speaking, human relations, and sales course, management course, and stuff like that. He was an instructor like myself. And I called him one day, <clears throat> and he says, uh, we were talking along. He said, you know, I died. <laughs> and I said, no, I didn't. He said, yeah, I just went in for uh, some kind of like, I think it was tonsils getting out, some minor things. He said, but I died on the operating table. Now, he, I knew he was a Christian, but I also knew he wasn't very close to the Lord. You know, he's asked Jesus in his heart, but sort of didn't attend church very often. You know, one of those kind of, not not bench warmer, but pretty close to it. Anyway. So I said, so what happened? He said, well, actually nothing. He said, well, I mean, all right, here's what happened. He said, I thought it was just falling into the most wonderful deep sleep. A sleep so deep that if somebody were to wake you up from it, you'd get mad. I didn't want to wake up. I just fell into a nice deep sleep. It was not until I woke up they told me, well, you died. <laughs> I can't remember how long he was dead for like two or three minutes or something like that, but he said, I don't want to come back. I don't want to wake up. Now, I know there's a lot of people, as they look at the scriptures, they say, oh, you, there's no such thing as soul sleep. I know. Here's why they're saying that. Because Paul said to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. Now, here's the way I understand that. Because I forget who it is. One of the Old Testament prophets says that there's nothing in the grave. In other words, there's no time, there's, there's no thoughts, there's nothing. So if a person were to die, say, 3,000 years ago, and if there's no such thing as time in the grave, he dies, and the next thing he knows, he's, in, in that case, 3,000 years ago, probably never heard of Jesus, he is at the judgment seat. 
So to him, 3,000 years was nothing. Uh, let, let me give you another example. Do you recall, I told you guys about a racquetball buddy of mine that, uh, well, here, I'll tell you the, the abbreviated story. So as, uh, two years ago, I'm in taking a racquetball lesson from number five in the world, by the way, which fabulous guy, fabulous player. And he says, man, something's going on out there. And I was at the front of the, the, of, the, of the court. So we walked outside, and there's this guy laying on his back. He's got his hands up over his head like this, and his feet are about this far off of the ground. And he's just shaking. His eyes were open, and they were like bugged out. You know, like that Mr. Bill, that little doll where you squeeze and the eyes bug out? His eyes were bugged out like that. And his tongue was like, hmm. That is, it, it, I, I, I've never, it swelled up. It like filled his whole mouth. It was all purple, kind of blue and purple. And uh, I said, somebody call 911. Somebody call 911. They're on the way. So I started saying, blood of Jesus, blood of Jesus, blood of Jesus. Long story short. So I tried to, to get some air in him. Two, two other people wore out giving him um, chest compressions. I mean, they literally wore out. They gave up. And finally, uh, everybody just stopped, including me. I mean, we all realized he was gone. And I just very, very, how do I say it, quietly, I thought to myself, okay, Lord, he's a Christian. I know he'd want me to pray for him. So I just gently laid my hands on him, and I said, Lord, bring him back in Jesus. I never got to the word name. As soon as I said Jesus, he went, ah, took a real big deep breath. <coughs> Eyes are blinking like this. All of a sudden, he's there. And now I'm feeling he's got a pulse. I say, he's got pulse. He's got pulse. So, I mean, so I visited him two days later in the hospital. He was dead for, we estimate, around 15 minutes. I mean, no pulse. No pulse. No breath. I know he had no breath because I had that finger down his throat, op pulling his tongue up, I know he was not breathing. Maybe nobody else knows, but I know. I know there was no breath. I know that there was no heartbeat. For Everybody standing around said it was seven or eight minutes. Well, it felt like 30 minutes, but I'm going to say it's more like about 15 minutes. And the point is, he was gone. So I visited him in the hospital a couple of days later. What happened? I don't know. He said, I was standing there. He said, all of a sudden, he said, I just started getting dizzy, and I thought I better sit down. He said, next thing I know, I'm in an ambulance uh, cart, and they're carting me out and saying, uh, your wife is on the way. In other words, he had no sense of time. I said, nothing happened? No. Nope. Didn't see anything? Didn't feel anything? No. Nope. Didn't go to sleep? No. Nope. Next thing I knew? I was on the, the gurney heading out towards the ambulance. So I know there's a lot of people get angry about, well, there's no soul death. Let me rephrase that. They get, they get angry about that too. <laughs> they, they get upset about, well, there's no soul sleep. I, I'm going to say it this way. Based upon everything I've got, everything I've read, everything I've studied, some people sleep 
Some people don't. We're going to get into that. So when he says, where are those who die in Christ? The answer is, some of them are asleep, in my opinion. And when they sleep, like, for example, this guy said he was standing up, started getting dizzy. The next thing, and he says, I thought I'd sat down. Next thing he knows, he's heading out of the gym on the back of an, a gurney heading to the ambulance. So if he had not awakened, if Jesus had not awakened him, he may have, the next thing he knows is hears a long, loud trumpet call, and he's either heading to the marriage supper of the Lamb or he's heading to the judgment seat of Christ. For him, just like Paul said, to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. So if you were to ask him at that point, he would probably say, well, I I just, I I didn't even get set down. Next thing I know, I'm here at the judgment seat. To him, it would seem like there was no time. See, that's what I'm saying. So for some people, yes, there is a soul sleep. But there's others. No, I mean, just like Dimitri Dudeman, he came to Michael Bolday and told him about the suitcase nukes coming. We had, uh, like Masih, he said he had Joseph. The original Joseph, as in Joseph and the Pyramid, come to him and give him a dream and showed him that there's about to be a shortage of wheat and all of the 18-wheelers, the trucks, are going to stop moving. So where's Joseph? Joseph is not in the grave. He's not doing soul sleep. So if a person wants to say, okay, according to the Bible, this and such and this and such and this and such, I mean, I know. I understand. I like to do that, too. And I tend to do that. My wife will tell you. But sometimes it's not, God is not always in a box. That's not the way it happens all the time. So where are they that die in Christ or those who are not saved? Now let's talk about those who are not saved. Again, I've heard 28 different testimonies. One guy, I was listening to this testimony in Omaha. He said I was going to kill myself. And he says, as I began to pull the trigger, I started chickening out. And he says, I pulled the trigger at about that angle. So it just blew kind of the top of my head off, you know, and it, it didn't, but it didn't destroy my brain too bad. And he says, I woke up in a pool of blood. And so, you know, he, he, he decided he didn't want to die. So I've heard all kinds of them. I've heard people that have gone to hell. I've heard... Um, one guy, I, I, I tried to invite him to speak. I won't say his name. And I find that people went to heaven want to tell all about it. But people that went to hell, you can't get them to talk about it. It's hard to get them to talk about it. I invited several of them. They just they wouldn't come. This guy just wouldn't come. He didn't want to talk about it. It's just too horrifying. But they say a couple of things they all say. All, you know, the sulfur smell, the heat. And then torment. They are in unbelievable, unbearable pain. Pain that would cause you to pass out on earth in your body. But they have such pain, but they can't pass out. They can't escape it. That's the definition of torment. They can't get out of it. They all say the sulfur smell, the terrible smell, the people that are screaming and crying, and and it's just death-defying, unbelievable pain. And uh, there's, but there, but there's several different things. There's like, some people say there's seven levels of hell. Some people say there are 10 levels of hell. I don't know how many levels are. But 
one thing they all say is the lowest part of hell is the worst part. Some people in the upper levels, and I'm going to give you some DVDs here to, to watch for free, okay, for free. That'll give you more of these details. Some people are like in a box, and they're like on a loop, taking them back how they were not kind to people. They were they mistreated people, and they were in a box, and this loop kind of played over and over and over and over to teach them just how mean they were to people. Others were tormented terribly. Um, Pastor Massey said he saw, well, I'll just tell you the story. He said that he was uh, allowed to go to heaven, no, excuse me, got allowed to, he was taken to hell. He was allowed to see his mom at the judgment day. Now, he said, I can't explain when this happens or how it exactly is. I can just tell you this. I saw a line of people, and they were coming up to an angel, had a big book. And as they step up to the angel, the angel would say yes, and they'd come on in, and they instantly got uh, like a 30-year-old body, all the gray hair, the wrinkles, all that's all gone instantly. I mean, faster than you can blink an eye. They have a brand-new body, and they walked on in. He said, but I saw my mom walk up there, and the angel just shook his head and explained that she had decided to walk away from Jesus over the death of his older brother. And he tells the whole story. He said, I saw them instantly, the demons there. In other words, if you got to go to heaven, good deal. If you went to, to, to hell, then your punishment started immediately. He said, and one of those demons with like a pitchfork ran that pitchfork into my mom and threw her up in the air like a pancake. She came back down. He caught her on the pitchfork again and threw her up in the air and caught her again. And, of course, there was the flesh. There was a body that could feel all that, but they couldn't die. That's torment. And he says, I saw that there was like two or three other demons. I remember the story right here. The story right. And he says they were uh, just tossing her back and forth. You know, as if you were to just toss a football back and forth. But, but they're tossing her with these pitchforks and stabbing her because she denied Jesus over his older brother. So there's various levels. The truth is there's various levels of blessing and there's various levels of torment. There's various levels of hell and there's various levels of heaven. So then he goes on to say, the, do, do the dead sleep? Well, some of them. I'll give you another example. Uh, we had this lady that was going to our church, and she came over to me. She told me that, you know, we here's how we, I think it was, we were giving testimony night. And she was telling us how she got saved. This is her, her brief story. She says, so my husband and I had not been to church in years. I would say that we weren't even saved. And We'd been out honky-tonking and drinking and dancing, and we were heading home one night, and I was driving, and she said I fell asleep. She says, the next thing I know is I'm floating up above the, the, the car, and I could see right through the roof of my car, and he said I could see that my car, apparently I'd fallen asleep, had run directly into the base of a big tree. And he said, she said, I saw my head is that she says if you were to drop a watermelon and just drop it you know how that watermelon would would crack open she says that's the way my head was i could see my brain 
hanging out in my head. And she said, about that time, my husband jumped out of the car and he's running in circles with his arms going up and he's screaming, Jesus, help my wife. Jesus, help my wife. Over and over at the top of his voice. And she says, so I'm observing this. And about this time, this, these two, she said, I'll call them imps. They were about two and a half foot tall, maybe three. And they had this black robe on. And when I looked under the hood of the black robe, all I could see was two red eyes. And she says, and they, they appeared on one side of me to the other. And they, they took me by the arms. And she says, I immediately started resisting. But against them, I had absolutely no power. I could not resist. They did whatever they wanted to do with me. And she says, and they started taking me down and down and down and down. She says, it was a long time, a long time. I mean, they say that if you, you drop like a rock, it takes like two hours to reach the deepest part of the ocean. That's just dropping a rock. So going to the center of the earth, <laughs> it was really, really, she says, a long time. She says, finally, after a long time, it started getting hotter and hotter. And then I began to get this sulfur smell. And she says, and when you're out of your body, she says, you can see for what seems like forever. You can hear forever. You have all of your senses, your feelings, everything are all heightened. Like, like you're almost glad to be out of your body because you've never had such wonderful senses. She says, but now I started realizing where I was going. She says, so I really started fighting, but I had no strength to fight against these two imps. She says, I was going down and down. It was getting hotter and hotter. The flames, the sulfur. She says, the next thing I know, I wake up, I'm in the hospital. And she says, and me and my husband got saved, went back to church, and cleaned up our life. So the correct answer is, when a person dies, only Jesus knows. Jesus has the keys of hell and death. He kills, he makes alive, he wounds, he, he heals, and neither can any deliver out of his hand. He decides who dies, when they die, where they go, what blessings they get. I think it's Matthew five twenty two or 21 or something like that. It says, the Father judges no one, but has given all judgment unto the Son. So Jesus is the righteous judge. He decides. He decides exactly and precisely that's the reason the four beasts are on their face constantly saying, holy, 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 Lord God Almighty, who is and was and who is to come. That's all they do for eternity. Holy, 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 Lord God Almighty, who is and was and who is to come. That's what they do. They just worship because he's so perfect. So you can't put God in a box. Where are those that die in Christ? Some of them are in a good place. Some of them might be asleep. Where are those not saved? Well, some of them might be in a not so bad a place. Some of them might be in a really bad place. There's different levels of heaven. There's different levels of hell. That's the correct answer. Is there a paradise that the soul goes to while the body sleeps? Well, that's not the way I see it. I see that the soul is what lives for eternity, and the body right now is a mud body. It's made of the dirt of the earth, dust of the earth. But when we get the glorified body, when the morning star hits us, 
we get a whole new body. That's the reason he says that you can't put new wine into an old wineskin. In other words, you can't put the glory of Jesus into a mud body. You've got to put it into a light body. Okay, so now, now let me, here, here's some of the things that I said to him. But I may have already covered them. Anyway, first, as I think I said, uh, let me say, okay, okay, okay I've, I've covered that, so if you want to read it, you can. Let me ask you this. This is important to know where we're going here. So what if you had to tell a person the most important thing in the world, but you knew they wouldn't believe you? Would you tell them? I'll ask again. If you had to tell someone the most important thing in the world, but you knew they wouldn't believe you, would you still tell them? Well, I believe most Christians would say, yeah, I'd still tell them. Okay, so that brings us to the second question. So what is the most important thing in the world? Well, of course, we know that the most important thing in the world is to accept Jesus. But the most important thing not to do is do not take the mark of the beast. Accept Jesus, do not take the mark of the beast, because those taking the mark of the beast do not get soul death. They are tormented. Remember what I said torment is? It's, it's unbelievable, unbearable, life-killing, life-taking pain. A person would pass out or die from that kind of pain, but it can't be stopped. Those taking the mark do not get soul death, but they're tossed into the lake that fire, or fire with fires, like a brimstone, like a fire burning with brimstone. And they cannot escape. So let me explain. Revelation 14.9 says, If any man worships the beast in his image and receives his mark in his forehead and in the hand, I'll skip down, he should be tormented with fire and brimstone forever and ever and ever and ever and they rest not day or night. They can't get out of it. It's better to die without Jesus, at least you get soul death, than it is to take that mark of the beast. What? Wait a minute, wait a minute. If you die without Jesus, <laughs> at least you get soul death. I mean, there is a point to where it ends. But if you take that mark of the beast, you don't get soul death. You're toy That's what it looks. I don't write the stuff. That's what it says. You'll be torn with fire and brimstone day and night forever and ever. And it, that's clearly what it's saying. Now, I know a lot of people say, yeah, yeah, that can't be. After Jesus returns, all of human history is all concluded. There's only three groups of people. One, those people whose name is in the book of life, and they get eternal life, live forever. Two, those people whose name is not in the book of life, and they're tossed in the lake that burns with fire and brimstone. I saw the dead, small and great, stand before God, and the books were open. And another book was open, which is the book of life. And they were judged, every man according to his works. And death and hell were cast into the lake of fire. That's the second death. Whosoever is not found written in the book of life is cast into the lake of fire. Meaning, if their name's not in the book of life, they get soul death. They are tossed into the lake that burns the fire and brimstone, and there is an end. Whoa, I know a lot of people say, no, no, no. Once you're born, you never, uh, you never die. Well, okay, I'm going to give you a couple of scriptures to disprove that. Obadiah 1.16 says that they shall be as though they had not been. Skip down to verse 18. The house of Esau will be stubble. In other words, totally burned up. There shall not be any remaining of the house of Esau. And I've got another one for you. This is Jesus speaking. He says, fear not him 
which can kill the body, but are not able to kill the soul, but rather fear him which is able to destroy both soul and body in hell. Meaning, yep, the soul can be killed. Jesus is the one that kills it. Now let's go back. So those in the book of life who live forever, those not in the book of life are tossed in the lake of fire and brimstone, and they get body and soul death. The third group are those people that worship the beast's image, receive his mark, his name, or his number, and they are tossed in the lake of brimstone, burned with fire and brimstone, and they are tormented day and night forever and ever with no hope of escape. Now, if you take the mark of the beast... You can chisel it off your forehead, you can cut your hand off, but you are still going to be tormented for all eternity. Let me skip through these. We read that. There is a fourth group I need to explain, but it's still part of the three groups I just said. The fourth group are the nations. These are the people that did not take the mark of the beast, so they aren't tossed in the lake that burns with brimstone. But they didn't receive Jesus either. Their name's not in the book of life, and they do not get eternal life. So what do you do with them? They are what Leviticus says, the corners not harvested. They are allowed to live. So at the feast, and I'll show you this just on the chart in just a second. At the Feast of Trumpets, which is Judgment Day, that's the judgment seat of Christ when Jesus returns. On this day, they're told, they're given their judgment. And they're told, okay, you are allowed to live for up to 1,000 years. But if you sin, this is being ruled over with the rod of iron. If you sin one sin, your your soul will be required. And so if they sin one time, a morning star judge shows up and hits them with the morning star. Remember the Bible says, And he that overcometh and keepeth my works to the end, same will I give power over the nations. And he shall rule them with the rod of iron, and as the vessels of a potter they should be broken to shivers. Even That's ashes. It shivers, even as I received of my father, and I will give him the morning star. The morning star is that that light. Remember the two witnesses? And I shall give power to my two witnesses, and they shall prophesy a thousand two hundred and three score days, clothed in sackcloth. These are the two olive trees and the two candlesticks stand before the God of the earth. And if any man will hurt them, fire proceedeth out of their mouth and devoureth their enemies. If any man will hurt them, he must in this manner be killed. That's the morning star. So, one of these nations sins during the millennium and a morning star judge hits them with a morning star. They fall to the ground, a pile of ashes and bones at the end of the thousand years. Then Satan is loosed. He goes out to see the nations, which are in the four quarters of the earth, Gog and Magog to gather them together to the battle of that great day of God almighty fire from God out of heaven devours them. So their judgment was still set at the feast of trumpets. <sighs> Now, those who never heard of Jesus are judged based upon works written in the book of life. I'll show you in the chart in just a second. Those who had the chance to receive Jesus are judged based upon Jesus and receive their just rewards on his return on the Feast of Trumpets or at the last trump or the seventh trump. Those faithfully with Jesus in the eyes of Jesus receive rewards. Now, let me show you. I'm going to have to jump by here. Okay, so let me explain. Now, this is complicated, but it's very simple if you get my book, Secret Door to Understand Bible Prophecy, which I'll explain in just a second. Remember, I got something free here in just a second. So the next time Jesus returns, 
He will come down here on first fruits as the Lamb of God. He will resurrect 144,000 one-year-old Jewish males. I can't explain it right now. They walk around for about 50 days. On Pentecost, this is when he resurrects the wheat. Those are the people washed in the blood of the Lamb. What are these red and white robes? Whence came they? Sir, thou knowest. These are they which came out of great tribulation. And washed the robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. Therefore are they before the throne of God and serve him day and night at his temple. Now, this is at the marriage supper of the Lamb. This is where Jesus is changed from being the Lamb to the Lion, changed from being the Prince of the Kings of the Earth to become the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. We get a white wedding garment. Jesus gets a white wedding garment dipped in his own blood. He comes forth and he serves us at the marriage supper of the Lamb. About four months later, here at the grape harvest on the seventh trump, he is given white horse. The armies in heaven are given white horses, and we are given white horses. So hopefully when we get to see the morning star, it is from the back of Jesus' head, because we're back behind him on a horse, okay? So he returns, and this is Judgment Day, the great day of God Almighty. And he blows that morning star down, and it lights the earth. It goes to the center of the earth, sets the foundations of the mountains on fire. The hills met like wax at the presence of the Lord, at the presence of the Lord of the whole world, whole earth. The, the, the hills melt like water running down a steep place. It goes to the center of the earth. And as it hits the sin, any sin, whether it's the reptilians, the Nephilim, the, the giants, the tares, whatever, it, when it hits them, they fall to the ground, a pile of ashes and bones, along with... The other two angels have sharp sickles, and they slash the grapes. That's the reason the blood rises to the horse bridles by a space of 1,600 furlongs. So this is the judgment seat of Christ. As that morning star hits us, out of our belly flows rivers of living water. In an instant, just that fast, we get our glorified body. We get all of our rewards, our mantles, our crowns, everything. And at that point, eternity starts for us. And without going into all the details. Now, this is the judgment day. That's the day that the nations are told, you sin one time and you are toast, literally. So here we are on Feast of Trumpets, Day of the Lord. Ten days later, this is the great white throne. Jesus is the judge there, too. This is those people that are dead. No one alive reports here. And they are the ones that are not in Christ. Never heard of him. Never had the opportunity to receive Jesus. And they report there. And their judgment is a judgment of works. This is a judgment by fire. This is a judgment by works. They, the books are open. The beasts are slain. And his body is given to the burning flame. Then, five days later, the New Jerusalem comes down, uh, about 250 miles square, sets down just south of Jerusalem. Now, let me go back to where we were here. We're about to, to conclude here. Okay. So, some people sleep until they're awakened either at the marriage supper of the Lamb or the judgment seat of Christ on the Feast of Trumpets at the last or seventh trumpet. Some are taken to heaven and continue to serve, just like Demetri Dudeman, just like Joseph is still doing, apparently. Others have seen Elijah. They're still serving. They're not asleep. Some are tossed into hell, which we know are various levels. Various levels of blessings in heaven, various levels of punishment in hell. And that's the best way I can describe it. This is what we've got, uh, I think, three confirmations. That's what the mark of the beast looks like. 
This is an artist rendering of it, obviously. It's very close. Let's put it this way. Once you've seen this and you see the real Mark of the Beast, you will know that's the Mark of the Beast. This is what it might look like. Do not take that mark. This is the number of his name, or 666, in a spiral. And this is what it might look like also. If you want to understand this, then I recommend you get my book, The Secret Door to Understand Bible Prophecy. And we have a lot of new listeners, so let me go through this. So in 2017, I memorized the book of Revelation. I got 30 revelations to visions in an audible voice. And the word first fruits I was shown is a secret door that links the feast to the book of Revelation. In this book, there are these two charts. I showed you one today. And there's a prophetic word that says there's a lock I've put over a word in the book of Revelation that are going to open to you. It will turn many books written on the end time message into obsolete books. One for 20, but don't do that. Instead, we offer them in shrink wrap set to five. Five or one set of five for 35 or two sets of five or 10 for $60 at prophecyclub.com. The other book that I was talking about is Miss the Mark. This is showing what the mark and the number of his name looks like. But how are you going to tell these people about Miss, uh, about the mark of the beast? This book shows them in the nine deception, the t- deceptions. And if they read this book, they will never take the mark of the beast. They just will not do it. This one's one for 20, 10 for 30, and twin for 50. Okay, so this is what I was saying that I'm going to give for you free. We're going to let you have six DVDs. Now, keep in mind, each one of these DVDs are typically two and a half hours. And we used to offer them for $30 each. So that's $180. $180 worth of stuff, and it's for free. For the months of August and September, you can go to watchprophecyclub.com and just go there. You can watch them for free. Now, what are they? The first one is one of my favorites, Six Hours in Heaven by Henry Gruber. He was in a car accident, 27 minutes, transported past the planets, and he was taken to heaven. He saw the flowers singing praises, flowing robes, singing righteous songs. He was a, a lot of comfort, a lot of encouragement for those people who had loved ones passed on. And then this is, I was dead for an hour and 45 minutes. Very, very fascinating talk. Describes how we travel, our relationships with others, describes our families, what our glorified bodies look like. And then this is Brian Melvin. He was taken to heaven and he was taken to hell. So he can give you an example of of both of them. He talks about what it's like to be in hell. He's like he says, hell in a box. He says, I saw people in a box where they were on kind of like that continuous loop. Then we had uh, Pastor Massey come, and he also was taken to both heaven and to hell. He's the one that saw his mom go into hell. He describes uh, three visits to hell, wise mothers in hell. I warned my brother, uh, your mansion is now being built. Also, there's books, plural, of sin. Then we had Howard Pittman, one of the most interesting talks. He had an artery burst in his, che- in his chest. He was dead for 15 minutes. He was taken to the pearly gates. He was shown how Lucifer deceives millions at the very point of death. He tells how God rebuked him for being a pastor of dead works, that all of his works would be dead. If he came into heaven then, he decided to go back. And then uh, Doug Hamp talks about how once the heavens and earth have passed away, Jesus recreates a new heaven and a new earth at the beginning of the millennium. The earth will literally go from a smooth, bald, naked surface to a lush, green planet. Everything on earth glows. Watch all six of them 
at watchprophecyclub.com. And as I said, since they take, have taken us off to YT, uh, our response has fallen through the floor. So if God has blessed you and you can help us, now would be a really good time to do so. Next thing I recommend you do is go to cornerstoneassetmetals.com. We had only been with them, oh, two or three months, and I called their office one day. And I said, this is Stan Johnson with Prophecy Club. Oh, my goodness, Prophecy Club. We love Prophecy Club people. I was shocked. <laughs> she says, you're Prophecy Club people. We have people from other all over call us. She said, but we love Prophecy Club people because they got their eyes open, their ears on. They know what's going on out there. We love Prophecy Club people. Send us Prophecy Club people. So if you think about getting gold or silver, here's the people to call. Just mention Prophecy Club. Okay, so this is the loaf of bread that I made. That's my kitchen counter. I actually took that picture. This is another loaf of bread before we cut it. Off to the left, this is a picture in our warehouse. Each one of those bags is what you call a tote. It's a four-foot by four-foot bag, about 2,000 pounds of wheat in it, and we got lots of them here. I think I've got another picture. Yeah, there you go. Lots of them, and these are old pictures. We got more than that even even now. See, each one of these right here, those are 50-pound bags. Those are all gone because <laughs> this is actually a couple of months old picture. And all of the, like this empty space here, this empty space, that's all gone. Matter of fact, we're not even getting them in totes anymore. We're getting them in what they call pro boxes. And that's 2,500 pounds per pro box. It has a little hopper on the bottom. We put the seven-gallon uh, pail below it, and we open the, uh, the, the hopper, and we fill about 200 of those. Two guys fill about 200 pails in about 20 minutes through this little hopper. And they bring it in the truck with a hopper and handle it all with a forklift. So it's become, it had to become very efficient. All right, now let's talk about Joseph's Kitchen. What you want to do, go to Joseph's Kitchen and you have to order yourself a machine package. In the machine package, if you can see, this right here is the grinder. It's called a mill. And then you, you put that along with the ingredients into the sake bread machine. Now, that's only the mechanicals. That's why we call it the machine package. Then you decide how much food you want. You want to have food one person one year, two people one year, four people one year, six people one year. Another thing, I do not recommend that you just put this all aside, that you just put it away and forget about it. I recommend as soon as you get it, you start making bread. There is a little bit of a learning curve to making bread. Now, having made about 80 loaves now, I've got to where, you know, um, we're making some pretty fancy bread. I mean, it's really good. Uh, it's the primary thing that we eat around our house and all of that. But it'll cut your food costs. As a matter of fact, I think it's safe to say if you start eating this bread immediately, the, the, the reduced food cost will pay for it. So. You want to get either two people one year, four people one year, or six people one year. Then, if you're thinking that the electricity might go out, we have a solution for that right now, and it's our bread solar generator, and that's on a pre-order right now. If you go ahead and order it, I think you'll get it in two to four weeks. That's just a guess. I'm a little bit out of that loop. But I'd recommend you go to Joseph's Kitchen, and this just shows you, yes, we got a lot of weight. We will send you to empshield.com. Now, this is the one that I'm going to put on my wife's car. And, yes, I've been a little negligent. I should have already put it on there. But here's the way it works. So it's got three wires. Red uh, wire goes on the red side of your battery. The black wire goes on the black side of your battery. And the green wire goes on uh, your, your auto body. 
Then you just peel off here, peel this off the back, stick it someplace. I mean, clean it first, stick it someplace. Takes, even if you're not mechanically inclined, take you about 10 minutes to put this device on your car. And that way, when the EMP hits or something like that, or some kind of sunspot hits and nobody else's car starts as several people have seen in their dreams and visions, hopefully yours will. Same thing can be had for your home. And if you have your computer or your bread machine plugged in to one that this is hooked up on your home, then the, the word on the street is that it protects it. If you'll go to empshield.com and if you use the promo code PROPHECY, they give you a $50 discount for that. And my understanding is that it, if you don't have it, it fries every computer chip in your car. And your car is pretty much useless because they're not going to be able to. I mean, there's so many computer chips in your car. They won't be able to replace it. Just throw the car away. Uh, same thing with your home. Refrigerators won't work. All your computers won't work. Anything that has computer chip, fried, dead. And it's not coming back to life again. So it's well worth the investment to try to protect. Like the old saying says, an ounce of prevention is worth a pound of cure, they say. Let me refresh your memory. We covered this yesterday. In the Coverstone Dream, one of the headlines was entire communities poisoned through water supply. Okay, you get this? So the railroads and the trucks stop moving. There's no food. There's very little water. And then by that time, there's poison in the water all across the land. So he specifically was told Boiling the water is not enough. Well, that kind of lines up with what Leslie was told back in 2011. She gave a prophecy. She said, something is going to be put in our water system. Many people will die and get sick. You need a good, reliable water filter. So guess what we did? Well, Prophecy Club, we went out and we bought a large supply of Berkey water filters. This is the water filter that's proven. It's what the missionaries use. You can take water from the gutter, from a mud puddle, pull it off your house. You can take water from just about any place. You pour it in the top of it like a big coffee pot, and out the bottom comes clean, purified water. Did you know the number one cause of death in the emergencies? Not fire, not bullets, not sickness. It is drinking contaminated water. The number one cause of death, drinking contaminated water, because we have to have, we can only go about three minutes without air, but we can only go about three days without water. Now, about 30 days, those are the threes, three, 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 okay, about 30 days without food. So I'm suggesting strongly that you listen to what I'm saying. If you'll go to this, guys, go right here. I can't say the word. Go right here. Look up this. Watch this. It's about 45 minutes long, but you don't have to watch it very long. What he's saying is that they are putting poison in the water. Now, this came out, I don't have the date for it, like 30 days ago. Yeah, I've been talking about this for at least 30 days. What I suggest you do is go to prophecyclub.com. You click right here under Berkey's, and then this pops up. All of these Berkey's are now in stock. And the, Joe at our office says, be sure and say currently. <laughs> because as soon as you say this, we get all kinds of orders coming in. And it might not be in stock more than a couple of days. Yes, we've already placed two more orders for Berkey's. So we're doing everything we can to get you Berkey's. 
Yes, there are other water filters, but a lot of those need pressure. Look, in an emergency, you don't have pressure. You're scooping it out of a mud puddle, putting it on top of the Berkey, clean water comes out the bottom. Now, you can get extra filters. I recommend you have extra filters. You can get a smaller one, a medium one, a large one. Most of the people are getting the, the Imperial or the Crown. Imperial or Crown. I have this one right here. This is one I like. It has eight filters. It filters the water almost as fast as you can pour it in the top. It'll provide water for the whole neighborhood, just like you're going to have to start providing, providing food for your whole neighborhood, too. But then when they come up to you and say, how'd you know to have this water filter? How'd you know to have this extra food? Well, I'm a prophecy student, and I knew this was coming. What else do you know is coming? Well, I know you better accept Jesus. That's what I know. So what do we do? I suggest that you go to josephskitchen.com and get yourself enough food for at least one year. Go to cornerstoneassetmetals.com, get yourself at least a handful of gold and a handful of silver, at least that much. Go to prophecyclub.com, slide to the bottom, and get signed up for Fast Track and Fast Gap. While you're there, there's some other things you probably want to look at. There's about to be a crisis in America, and it's no longer over the horizon. Oh, yeah, well, someday the end time's going to... It's no longer at the end of the block. I might even say it's no longer at the end of the driveway. It's at the front door. So it's time to act, my brothers and sisters. It's time to act. Click like, share, subscribe, and send to a friend.